Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, a little bit of an apology here off the top. I got a little bit of a weird nose thing going on. I feel fine. I'm not sick or anything like that. It's just a little bit of congestion that kind of uh, hangs around my nose here a little bit. So it's fine if I'm not speaking. When I start speaking, it kind of, I don't know, hangs down a little bit. So I want to say this off the top. I, I hope it's not too annoying. I, uh, I'm i irritated by it. Hopefully it's not you know too much for you all to tolerate. Uh, but I just want to say that off the top of the show. Sorry, I sound a little bit weird. I feel fine, but I just sound a little bit weird. So I apologize for that. Also want to say thank you for allowing us yesterday to have such a cool experience. Being a part of the Media Day festivities down there at the Peach Bowl was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed the kind of different look at some of the Georgia players we were able to give. I thought they were relaxed. They looked comfortable. I've been telling people this week, to me, this Georgia team looks like the kind of team that's been in the college football playoff two consecutive years. So they just seem like they kind of know the lay of the land. They've obviously been through this. They uh, know what success tastes like in the college football playoff. And I think they have a pretty clear pathway in mind of how they can achieve that again. Now, that alone does not guarantee victory or anything like that. Sometimes that kind of you know perceived confidence or the image of uh, projecting confidence can be misleading. It can be kind of a false positive. But I have, and if you go back and watch our video, Dog Nation YouTube page maybe the best place to see this, that if you go back and rewatch our video that I was able to be a part of yesterday, I'm just kind of moving about the room. All of this is sort of unplanned and, and, and relaxed and you know nothing's too staged here. If you go and really look at those Georgia players, whether it be Cedric Von Granger kind of drawing with the uh, the the sketch there, or you know some of the guys get grabbing the microphone and doing some interviewing themselves, or whatever kind of viral type moment came out of this, Georgia yesterday just came across as a very relaxed team. They seem to be enjoying the week and they seem to be ready for what's going to happen on Saturday night when this game is taking place. And yet, in addition to that, let me kind of sort of say this too. I think it's been really interesting to watch the ways in which the mood around this game is starting to shift. And for the most part, I don't think this is involving the players. I mean, some of what I'm about to give you comes from players in this game, I guess. But I think some of the stuff that has gone on has finally started to make the the feeling between the two fan bases feel a little bit more like the fever pitch that I sort of expected the entire time. And to be honest with you, I'm just being very candid here for a moment. The buildup to Georgia and Ohio State has not exactly been what I expected it to be. I expected the fact that these two teams hadn't played each other since the end of the 1992 season, the fact that there's really no shortage of reasons to hate Ohio State if you're not an Ohio State fan, the fact that if you're Ohio State, it's easy to have a chip on your shoulder because you've heard about how great the SEC is, and obviously if you're a you know Buckeye you know type person, you're you're led to believe that your team could be just as good, that all the backstory that's involved here, I thought this game would have the lead up, the build up of almost like a rivalry style feel to a college football playoff game. And there's been some of that, but I would say for the most part, it's been kind of quiet on that front. Part of this is because Ohio State lost his last game. And it's only just now that Ohio State fans are starting to shake off the feeling of having lost to Michigan and start to believe again about their ability to come compete with Georgia so as you get close to the game some of those emotions sort of shake off I talked about this the other day that uh you know there's a little bit of a, a sort of a typical mood shift as you move towards game time I think you see some of that with Ohio State and as they kind of shake off the doldrums of having lost to Michigan I think you see a little bit more passion coming out of them and that kind of creates its own kind of counterbalance when it comes to the Georgia fans there too because over the, ca- the, the the past couple of days you have definitely seen fans going to their quarter a little bit more here and you've definitely seen the bakings of what I think can be a pretty tense atmosphere between these two teams on Saturday. Let me start with this if you don't mind. This is one of those things that uh, definitely got Georgia fans worked up the other day. So a couple of Ohio State players were being asked about, hey, the perceived strengths that Georgia has offensively, and is there any area by comparison that the Buckeyes feel they are also strong in and have an advantage over Georgia? A trio of Buckeyes players had a chance to answer that question. Let me let you hear that. Then we're going to kind of zero in on the one part of this answer that definitely got the most attention. Let's hear this. A lot has been made of this Georgia offense uh, and some advantages they may have. Where do you guys, and this is for all of you, uh, where do you guys think you may have some advantages? Uh, everywhere. Um, you know, I think it just comes on to, you know, all of us just doing our job, and if we do that, we have a really good chance. Yeah, I agree with Tommy. I think we got, you know, advantages, you know, across the board on both sides of the ball, and uh, we just got to, you know, go out there and execute. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it just comes down to, to doing your job and executing at the highest level, and I think we should be fine. So that's the answer to the question all three players gave it. But there's a portion of that that got a lot more attention from Georgia fans. Jack Sawyer is a good defensive end from Ohio State. It was his answer in the middle there that when you pull it out and listen to just that clip, the feeling around what he had to say comes across as a very different. This has been shared on social media all kinds of times uh, since Sawyer said that. From the answer a moment ago, kind of zeroing in on what kind of turned into a little bit of a viral clip and has really kind of gotten Georgia fans fired up in these final hours before the game. Let me let you hear just the Sawyer part of this, and you can maybe see why some Georgia fans have <laughs> have gotten a little edgy about this. Yeah, I agree with Tommy. I think we got, you know, advantages, you know, across the board on both sides of the ball, and uh, we just got to, you know, go out there and execute. So I think that in the full context, I don't know that the Sawyer thing is quite as bad as it comes across in that sort of shorter clip there. Georgia players were asked about this yesterday. They all gave very careful answers. Obviously, the the, the media training that Georgia has, what at least on the basis of this exchange, appear to be superior to whatever the Ohio State players have kind of gotten here. But at the same time, I don't mind a guy speaking his mind if that's what he wants to do. But when you kind of sort of chop up just that part of the clip, all of a sudden you hear the Ohio State players say, oh, yeah, we feel like we've got advantages up and down the uh, field on both sides of the ball. Well, listen, I don't, I don't have to tell you how Georgia fans are going to take that. Oh, really? Is that really what you think here? And even if the actual context of the answer may not quite be as, uh, as it has been taken at times on social media, I don't mind telling you, if this is what it takes to get Georgia fans fired up and ready to go for Saturday, good, good, use it, use it. Use whatever you have at your disposal. And should the Georgia coaches use this, whether you know Salyer quite meant the way that he said it or not, uh, you better believe you should use that. You should use anything you can to get ready for this game. And if that's what it takes to sort of get us moving the direction of the kind of tension that ought to exist when you've got Georgia and Ohio State uh, uh, doing their thing on Saturday, yeah, you better believe that's the case. Now, it's not just the Georgia fans who are also kind of getting worked up here and kind of getting into a lather prior to the game. You've got Ohio State folks doing that there as well on the basis of a pretty specious rumor here. There's a guy named Jeff, is it Snook or Snook? I'm assuming it's Snook. I can't imagine his last name is Snook. Uh, but uh, Jeff Snook, I guess he's a reporter that uh, covers Ohio State or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, he put something out there on his blog, I guess. And it has been like passed around a bunch there, too. I think maybe most probably a Facebook post that sort of did this. Uh, I'll show this to you. Then we'll let you hear uh, a Georgia coach responding to this. So there's a Facebook group or page, whatever you want to call it, called Buckeye Talk. And uh, it is written here that I just read from Jeff Snook's page that he's a sports writer that covers Ohio State extensively. Excuse me. I had no idea he covered it extensively. Uh, he doesn't just cover it. He covers it extensively. Do we cover Georgia extensively around here? I hope we do. Anyway, uh, the quote from Mr. Snook is that rumors are going around that Ohio State found a hidden camera aimed at the practices of Mercedes-Benz Stadium during the closed practices. If true, that would not surprise me from Georgia coach Kirby Smart. He says, I had an altercation with him eight years ago at the Sugar Bowl. Something tells me that Mr. Snook's altercation with Kirby probably meant more to Jeff Snook than it did to Kirby Smart. But nonetheless, I had an altercation with him at the uh, Sugar Bowl eight years ago when he was Alabama's defensive coordinator. When he got mad at my question about openly soliciting uh, Big Ten coaches on what to expect from Ohio State's offense before the first playoff game, it made uh, it made it clear he made it clear that any research was fair game. Jeff Snook says he says now all that being said, I cannot confirm that UGA coaches spot on Ohio State. I'm gonna I'm gonna run with it anyway, but I can't confirm that it's true. I'm just going to run with it. He said, I can't confirm they were spying on practices, but in the old days, this was a very common practice given the amount of time between the regular season and the bowl games, especially in places like the Superdome. All I can say is that it would be if it were to be done today, Smart is the guy to do it. That's coming from a guy named Jeff Snook, who apparently covers Ohio State. He doesn't just cover them. He covers them extensively. And that is what he says, accusing Kirby Smart of, of, I guess, cheating here and spying on the practices, using some sort of camera for all of this. Uh, there was a good exchange yesterday. Uh, I guess Kirby was asked about this, too. And, uh, you know, Kirby had no idea what the what the question was even about. But, uh, but Will Muschamp was actually pretty funny on this yesterday. Here's Muschamp from Media Day on the notion that, uh, that George is using a hidden camera. to. Sp- First of all, if you saw it, it's not hidden. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I mean, whatever you want to think about, you know, so-called cheating and spying on uh, practice, can we at least get the word usage right? If the camera was easily spotted, that means it wasn't hidden. So let's stop calling it a hidden camera because uh, apparently everybody in the world, including uh, Jeff Snook, 
and his extensive Buckeyes coverage. Uh, even he saw it, or at least he heard somebody saw it. So it's definitely not a hidden camera. Uh, but nonetheless, this is what Will Muschamp said yesterday in response to the idea there was a camera filming the Ohio State practices. Take a look at this. Uh, listen. There's, a, there's a rumor that Georgia had cameras at Ohio State's practice. Somebody give them to me. <laughs> I ain't seen it. <laughs> There you go. And by the way, that's the uh, that's the uh, the yoga. If you're watching a video, you see the uh, Georgia yoga. See, this is how you keep from getting your practices filmed. You know, do something so uh, inane at practice that nobody wants to film it. That's the great way to avoid all of that. But you hear Will Muschamp a moment ago saying, "Listen, uh, somebody give those <laughs> cameras to me because I haven't seen them." And by the way, if you want to know how uh, rumors work, this is how it this is how it goes. It started off with some guy named Jeff Snook saying a camera had been spotted, but the Grand Inquisitor talking to Will Muschamp yesterday had turned it into multiple cameras. Did you notice that? That that it started off with Jeff Snook of, hey, there was a camera, I think. I can't confirm this, but I'm going to blast it out on the Internet anyway. And then by the time that Will Muschamp has asked about it, the, 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 the guy that asked the question was like, hey, I heard Georgia had multiple cameras, you know, had cameras. <laughs> so all of a sudden now Georgia's got a production truck sitting outside Mercedes-Benz Stadium trying to uh, film the Ohio State practices. You sort of get an idea of how all this sort of plays out here when it comes to that. But as I said before, the bottom line for me is, is that, once again, if this is what it takes to sort of make the game feel as edgy and tense as it's supposed to, uh, more power to you. You know, Ohio State can accuse Georgia cheating, uh, accuse Georgia, accuse Georgia filming practices. Georgia can accuse the Ohio State players of talking down and 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 poor mouthing Georgia. You know, whatever it takes. I would say it's all kind of fair game right now to create the kind of the the, the proper emotional response to this. Because here's what you need to know, and most of you do know this, and I'll say it anyway. You do not want to lose this game if you're Jordan. And like on the one hand, Georgia's the national champion, and you can't take that away from them. They've been thirteen and zero. They're SEC champions right now. Like I am not here to tell you that it's a failure of a season if Georgia doesn't win or anything like that. There's a lot to be proud of for what Georgia's done here over the course of the last thirteen games. But y'all, you do not want Ohio State to come down to Atlanta and get bragging rights on you. You just don't. You just don't. Uh, do you know what that bunch is going to be like and how long they'll talk about this? And who knows when Georgia gets a chance to get its revenge? You don't want that. And if you're Ohio State, you kind of feel the same way for the different reason. You feel like your program right now is kind of hanging on by a string. You know, Ryan Day's one more big loss way, I would say, from legitimately being on the hot seat. You know, Buckeyes players have been told over the course of the last few weeks they're just not tough enough to hang in environments like this. If you're a Georgia fan, wouldn't it be great to show them? Wouldn't it be great to remove all doubt about whether or not Ohio State belongs and say, for once and for all, emphatically, you just simply don't. And yeah, you can be in the Big Ten and you can have a gazillion dollar media rights deal and your games can be on CBS and Fox and NBC and every other network in the world and you can have money hand over fist, but you can't buy what it takes to win in games like this. I mean, wouldn't it be great to send that message to Ohio State once and for all that if we really are kind of getting into a realm here prior to the start of the game where the tension's starting to build, even if it's building for somewhat, you know, kind of contrived reasons, all the better, all the better. On Saturday, there is a lot at stake. There's bragging rights that last for a lot longer than a year. There's a shot at going for two and 22. There is, I think, on the minds of a lot of Georgia fans, a hated opponent on the other side of the field. I mean, the 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 moments in college football on a regular basis just don't get much grander than this, much bigger than this. There is so much emotion. There's so much to be gained from the win. There's so much potential pain with the loss that as we get closer to the game time, it starts to feel like all of this is starting to come together. And everyone involved, whether you're Georgia Bulldog or an Ohio State Buckeye, everybody starts to become a little more aware of just how high the stakes truly are. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are glad to have you with us. No, how you get to us today, live on video. We start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. We're 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. And we are available as a podcast wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really happy to have you checking in and glad to have you be a part of what we're doing here today. Obviously, we'll get Jeff Sintel coming up. We'll do a lot of stuff there with him. We got plenty more on Georgia and Ohio State there as well. And don't you know our folks at Kroger, they're excited about what's going to go down on Saturday there as well. They've been a part of this with us for the entire ride here. And as we turn towards the new year, they've got some really fun things coming up that they want you to be aware of too. 
including something you've heard us talk about before, the great event known as Kroger Chef Jr. A couple times a month, uh, Kroger puts together one of these guided kids cooking experiences where you and your children get to step up and be a part of some food preparation and get a chance to make a really delicious food item. It's a great way for your kids to kind of experience what the, what goes into the food preparation process, but also just to taste some, uh, whether it be you know fun or healthy foods, they otherwise might not get a chance to really maybe enjoy quite as much. That's what Kruger Chef Jr. is all about. So coming up on January 7th, then the 21st, you get a chance to do that here this month. And it's the dumpling sandwich this month. How good does that sound? A little dumpling sandwich uh, in the wintertime? Sounds great. And you can do that with our friends at Kroger. So it's $7 per child. Uh, your child's going to get an apron and patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card box, and the dumpling maker. It's just $7 per child, as I said before. KrogerChefJr.com. That's the website. The word Jr. spelled out. J-U-N-I-O-R. KrogerChefJr.com for a lot more on that. All right, we're going to talk Jeff Sintel here coming up in just a moment about a wide-ranging list of uh, topics. But before that, I want to go around the doghouse. It's uh, presented today by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And I thought that uh, Mike Griffith had an interesting day yesterday, spending a good bit of time with Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter. Now, I've got some stuff I want to say about Carter as it relates to the game on Saturday. But prior to that, let me let you hear a portion of the interview that Mike did with uh, Jalen. You can see the entire thing on the Dog Nation YouTube page. Mike's written a story about this at DogNation.com. You can kind of connect with that there. But on the comment that everybody's now kind of aware of, uh, uh, Todd McShay, we think unfairly kind of maligning Jalen Carter, really almost slandering him with the idea of character concerns and uh, that would maybe diminish Carter's draft status in the eyes of some NFL personnel men. Uh, that's what Todd McShay said yesterday. Jalen Carter was asked, about his response on all that. And I thought that Jalen said it very well. This is Jalen with Mike Griffith on the idea that a ESPN NFL draft analyst called Todd McShay uh, had some uh, pretty bad things to say about him. J good stuff from Jalen, though, in response. Here's Jalen Carter. Uh, a TV guy says, oh, he, he might have a character issue, and we're looking at it like this guy's out here playing 40 snaps a game, you know, with a career on the line. How did you – How did you? we've asked your teammates, but how did you personally feel when you heard that, and how did you respond to that? Yeah, I had somebody come up and tell me about that, but I didn't really let it get to me because I know my character is not bad around my team and uh, on and off the field. So I just let my team, I saw a couple of my teammates spoke about it, and I just said, I'm going to let my teammates speak about it. I don't really have nothing to say. So Jacob Phillips, who's watching us on YouTube right now, just happened to see this comment. In light of hearing from Jalen Carter there, Jacob says, have to rush the passer up the middle and scare Stroud into poor decisions. And I really think a lot of this game kind of comes down to what Jacob says there, I really do, that ultimately I believe that Jalen Carter is the most important player in the game for George, and frankly I don't think it's particularly close. And obviously there's a lot of big questions to be answered about UGA, how healthy is Ladd McConkey, how healthy is Warren McClendon, both those guys kind of dodged uh, those questions yesterday, as you might imagine that they would. But in terms of what is going to happen on the field, for as many issues that matter, the issue that matters most is what happens with Jalen Carter because you do have to get after Stroud on Saturday. You look at the best wins for Georgia in kind of the recent era, big-time pass rush is a factor in all these. I'll give you some of the numbers. Six sacks for Georgia this year against Tennessee. That was a huge top-five-type matchup. Tennessee was actually number one in the playoff rankings at the time the game was played. Georgia got six sacks and won the game easily. National championship a year ago against Alabama. That's four sacks in that game. Pass rush nor to be found in last year's SEC championship. Uh, Bryce Young sacked four times in the national championship. That's the difference in the game. Georgia also had four sacks last year against Michigan in the Orange Bowl. That was an easy win against the Big Ten champions. Georgia got that easy win in some respects uh, because of the fact that the pass rush shut up in a big way. Go back to the beginning of last season against Clemson. That was a team that was ranked in the top five at the time the game was played. Georgia didn't have much offense that day. Points very hard to come by. Everything that happened defensively truly mattered. And Georgia got seven sacks of DJ Uwe Unglele, uh last September, two Septembers ago there in Charlotte. Once again, a big pass rush helping Georgia win a big game. And if you want to add this on just for fun, go back to the 2020 Peach Bowl, the last time Georgia was in Atlanta for a bowl game against the Cincinnati team that was ranked in the top 10 when the game was played. And by the way, made the college football playoff the following year. And yet Georgia won a hard-fought Peach Bowl against the Bearcats that day. And part of the reason why, on the virtue of eight sacks against Cincinnati. So, Top five, top ten type competition, big postseason type games. When Georgia's been at its best, the pass rush has been a big part of that. And 
against Ohio State, that, I believe, has got to be true again. And I do believe the best spot for that pass rush to come from is up the middle. I don't think that Ohio State, with its interior offensive lineman, quite as good as it is with its offensive tackles. And I do believe that Jalen Carter is just the best player on the field. And so where he is, even if it's not him that gets to the quarterback, even if he just sort of creates the kind of uh, chaos that allows somebody else to get there, what Carter does kind of at the front of attack, you know, point of attack for that Georgia defense could open up everything for this team there on Saturday. And then I'll give you one more here as a way of kind of uh, adding all this together is that ultimately the, the, the success of Carter, if he is able to generate that interior pass rush, if he's, if he is able to kind of create the tone defensively, you know, ultimately that kind of might set us up to have a little bit of an experience like the SEC championship where we see very early on that this is a Georgia defense that's going to show up here and perform the way that it has in a lot of big games in the past. And I think in some respects it sort of comes down to the simplest thing of all. You know, it's like when Georgia has had issues in its big games, you know, one of the things you've seen is you know, pretty big point totals on the other side. You know, uh, SEC championship last year, you know, gave up 41 to Alabama. Uh, gave up 44 to Pandemic Florida in 2020. Gave up 41 to uh, Alabama also in a couple of weeks prior to that in 2020. The uh, loss for uh, against LSU going back to December of 2019. First of all, it's amazing that you uh, only have four losses for this Georgia program going all the way back to December of 2019. It's amazing to think how successful Georgia's been in terms of winning games. But you do see kind of a common thread, though, in the small number of games that Georgia's lost there has been a big point total on the other side. If Georgia's limiting the opposing offense and almost always winning, and in most cases winning by a pretty comfortable, easy you know, situation, a very wide margin it's winning by when it really stymies the opposing offense. And so Jalen Carter, I believe, is the most important factor in doing that on Saturday. What he does in the middle of this Georgia defense, what he does to the middle of that Ohio State offensive line could set the tone for the entire day. And if we're two quarters in this game, if we're sitting at halftime and Ohio State's sitting somewhere along the lines of 10 or 13 points, if it's a relatively low total, that could truly be the indication that it is going to be as long a day for the Buckeyes as some of their fans have feared that it might be, that whatever issues they had against Michigan are even more substantial for them against a team like Georgia, which is essentially just Michigan on steroids, that, that Georgia could send that message in the first couple of quarters on Saturday that it really is going to be that long of a day. And if it does, it's easy to assume the guy we just heard from, Jalen Carter, will help lead the way in doing all of that. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. On Saturday, Georgia gets the fun of being pretty close to home, obviously playing its playoff game in its home state of Georgia in the city of Atlanta at this stadium that Georgia's been in three times before. So they certainly, three times before this year, by the way. So they certainly understand the value of that. And Berkshire Hathaway Home Service understands the value of your home to you there as well. Because when you want to sell that home, you want to get top dollar for it. That's what the uh, folks at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service are able to help you do. Because they understand that the best time for new beginnings is right now. So when you're selling your house, uh, our folks at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service understand that you've got a big reason for wanting to do that. You've either got a, a move you want to make to get closer to family or got a new job or you have some sort of exciting thing on your horizon uh, that opens up the possibility for a new home and the need to sell your old house to get into that new home. And so that's what Berkshire Hathaway Home Service wants to help you with. They've been a big part of what we've been doing at Dog Nation all year long. And they can be a big part of your next story as you make a real estate decision to help you get to where you want to be in life. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a, you know, a home that you live in. It can be a commercial real estate property. Some of you want to open up a business here in 2023. Well, our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service can kind of help you with that commercial real estate transaction there as well. Whatever your needs are, they want to help you meet them. Got a great team of agents stretched in offices and branches all across our great state and our market here right now. So you can find them online for more. It's bhhsgeorgia.com. That's bhhsgeorgia.com to get in touch with our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. All right. So We've got a lot going on. We have seen uh, Jeff Sintel in Atlanta this week. He's been following Georgia, Ohio State. He was also in Orlando yesterday for some very interesting stuff going on down there with some big-time UGA recruits getting ready to impress during one of the All-Star games that take place this time of year. So what do you say we cover all angles on that? We call it a uh, on-the-road, assisted by AAA. Let's talk to Jeff Sintel here right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So Jeff was in Orlando yesterday, busy coming on of recruiting stuff. And Jeff, I definitely want to get to you on that, including some interesting stuff from Janelle Aguero, the prized safety signee 
for the Georgia Bulldogs. But prior to that, let's continue to set the stage here for Georgia and Ohio State coming up on Saturday. You were in Atlanta quite a bit here this week. You heard from some Georgia coaches and players. You saw a glimpse of some Georgia practice stuff. Admittedly, not much there on that. But you've kind of been around Atlanta, kind of gotten the vibe on all of this. Uh, I guess, Jeff, where are you in terms of your uh, – What's the word I'm looking for here? And in terms of how you expect Georgia and Ohio State to play out on Saturday, based on what you've seen here this week? Yeah, um, Brandon, you know you learn a lot. You learn a lot of things. First of all, good morning to everybody. I got some pretty good sources across the country. Got some pretty good connections with a lot of programs. I actually heard some very interesting intel from former Georgia player uh, Amir Speed recently about how a Georgia program matches up with what he saw with the best of the Big Ten recently. But, you know, the kind, of the kind of the consensus from all of that was, you know, maybe three, four weeks ago, Georgia was a two-score, 14 points better than Ohio State. You see how they're banged up at running back, especially banged up with cornerback, Brandon. I don't know how much people are talking about cornerbacks right now. It would be an issue of Georgia going into this game with maybe, you know, only like two of their top six or seven corners available uh, for this semifinal game. That's how banged up that uh, banged up that Ohio State is. But, you know, maybe that consensus has shrunk a little bit to, to ten points per game. I mean, a ten-point spread on Saturday. But there's a lot of confidence that they just can't – Ohio State's going to have a very hard time blocking Georgia, the front seven especially. Georgia will have an edge with their offensive line against the Ohio State front. And maybe the main thing, Brandon, is that you, you can watch a lot of football and figure this out, that great quarterbacks are merely okay when facing pressure. But when you watch C.J. Stroud a lot so far, even in his you know second, third year of being the guy at Ohio State, he's probably just average or maybe a little less than that when he's facing pressure. So there's a lot of reasons there for Georgia and maybe Georgia people to have – a good measure of confidence going into this game. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. C.J. Stroud has not been the same player. Go back to the Michigan game, probably the, the lone example of maybe that this year where you, know, you really get in his face and he just didn't look like the same quarterback at all. And I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a moment because while I expect Georgia to win, I, I, you know, I have heard Georgia fans this week, Jeff, far more confident in the final outcome in terms of the margin of victory than I have been. And so you know, as a way of kind of playing devil's advocate against what you just said – while it's true that C.J. Stroud has not been the same when he's been dealing with pressure, you know it's not obvious to me that Georgia's going to be able to get that pressure given the fact they've really only done that in just the one game this year. Now, to Georgia's benefit, it, it was the one game they really needed to against Tennessee, but the pressure that Georgia applied so well in 2021, for the most part, that really hasn't been all that present here in 2022, and this is one of those things that honesty just sort of compels me to admit. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love that phrase, Brandon. Honesty compels me to admit that Georgia really doesn't have to go to that well and bring pressure a lot against certain teams. And, I, you know, you certainly saw it was in Georgia's bag of tricks uh, against Tennessee and Hendon Hooker, name drop Javon Bullard here. For, they can come up with a lot of exotic looks when they need to. And the thing that's maybe even in Georgia's favor there, Brandon, is Georgia hasn't had to. So when there comes a time for them to break glass in need of pass rush, the other team, the other offensive line, those other schemers over there, don't have a lot of tape to see what Georgia is capable of and what they can really bring to bear. Yeah, and obviously Ohio State's been pretty good at keeping uh, Stroud upright, with the exception of the Michigan game. We probably saw a little bit more pressure than, than he'd seen prior to that. I was talking before you joined us about, you know, to me that pressure's supposed to come up the middle. First of all, when Georgia has blitzed, it seemingly blitzed up the middle over the course of years, you know, better than uh, other types of quarterback pressures as well. And I think that Jalen Carter is and needs to be the most important player on the field for Georgia on uh, Saturday. I think the Ohio State offensive line is really good with its tackles. I don't know that it's quite as good with its interior offensive line. That's the area in which I believe that UGA is probably best set up to exploit that. And I think that Jalen Carter is going to be a big tool in helping Georgia get that done. Let me provide a little bit of more balance on the other side. Be, try to sound very objective. That's what my goal is always as a, as a reporter. But, you know, the way they can stay in this thing, I feel, are those deep shots downfield. The kind of the ways that, you know, you attack Georgia's in man coverage. You've seen some measures of success from other teams across the schedule where they're like, you know what, in the end, we're, we're, we're probably better served 
trying to get a chunk of 50 yards at once rather than, you know, beating Georgia on six or seven straight plays down the field. And that's a window, especially because this needs to be said, Brandon, because you will admit this, that you wish Georgia has had the receivers that Ohio State has, especially the last five or six years. We can count multiple first-rounders among zone six is what they like to call that unit. And, Brandon, you ask a lot of people around the Ohio State program, you ask coaches that know this stuff, and they feel that Marvin Harrison Jr. is better than Olave, better than Garrett Wilson, you know, better than a lot of those guys, all of those guys that Ohio State has lined up, and they've went and shook Roger Goodell's hand really early. So that's a way where that puncher's chance for Ohio State can happen here. And, you know, let's not forget, pound for pound, you know, 1 to 85, maybe even 1 to 105, they're easily one of the five most talented teams in the country, probably one of the three most talented teams when they had a Trayvon Henderson and when they have a, a Jackson Smith to give up, when they have those guys on the roster as well. Everybody's missing playmakers. Georgia's missing Nolan Smith. Georgia's missing A.D. Mitchell for long stretches this year. But I just think Georgia depth, more of that top-tier NFL draftable depth, is another factor in my mind's eye that gives Georgia an edge. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, obviously, Ohio State's going to try to use the explosive plays offensively to make up for the fact that on a per-play basis, it's probably not going to just kind of line up and go play for play with Georgia. They're going to try to get uh, their yards in chunks. You can understand why they would. And as much respect as I have for Marvin Harrison Jr., and I do truly believe he's the best wide receiver in the country. I really do. And it's amazing how Ohio State always just kind of finds that next great wide receiver. It's amazing the the depth they've had there at that position. I will say that Harrison, to me, is a little bit different like what, say, a Jamison Williams would have been last year or something like that. I don't know that Harrison just sort of runs past you and runs away from you. Now, he obviously is outstanding when it comes to finding a way to get the football, but in terms of just leaving the uh, defensive back standing still while he goes blazing by, you know, from what I've seen, I don't quite know that's Harrison's game necessarily. He's definitely a dangerous receiver, but he's not maybe the same kind of guy that maybe like, say, Jamison Williams would have proven to be so much trouble for Georgia last year in the SEC championship. Yeah, Brandon, listen real close, folks. I want to tell you this. A lot of the information that I've seen, that I've processed, and that I've heard is Ohio State feels like it is yet to play a complete, full, great game this year. And that's that's troubling if you're a Buckeyes fan because a lot of those yards, you know, Ohio State actually has 2,000-yard receivers this year. Ameka is also very, very good, a former top 100 overall prospect as well. But the thing is, the way C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison have had to generate a lot of offense and generate a lot of points this year is it had to be a perfectly thrown ball in a tight window. This is in the Big Ten nonetheless. And it had to be in a way where only the greatest wide receiver in the country could make that catch. That's happened time and time again for what they do so very well. And to ask, and to ask that program to say, you're going to play your most complete game of the season and you're going to continue to fit those balls into tight coverage against the number one team in the country, against the best team in the country in Georgia. Man, Brandon, to me, that is a pretty tall order. All right, I want to talk some recruiting with you in a moment, so let me just kind of say one more thing about this game. To me, a magic number here is 13. I would say 13 or fewer first-half points for Ohio State, to me, is really trending towards the kind of game that I believe that Georgia really wants this to be. And even if the Georgia, you know, even if the Georgia offensive output's not much higher than that, if after two quarters in this game on Saturday, you're looking at Ohio State kind of somewhere in that sort of ten point, thirteen point realm, you know, something that's well below the the pace for what'll get them to like say thirty by the end of the game, you know, that to me is an indication that Georgia's kind of heading for what it wants to go to defensively. You know, I, I'm going to be watching the early portion of this game, in other words, very very closely here to see how quickly either Georgia establishes its prevailing narrative that the defense is just simply too tough or if Ohio State's able to establish its narrative, which is, hey, our offense is unlike most of what you've been playing for most of this season. One of those two narratives won't survive, and I'm going to be curious to see which one of those does emerge in that first 30 minutes of action on Saturday. You know, that's very interesting. You know, I know you watch a lot of entertainment books and wagering. You know, that first half, if, if, if Ohio State doesn't have 17 points on the board, 13 points of confidence on the board when they're going to be facing a depth issue against Georgia in the second half. 
I think that's really going to be an issue for things to spark up there. The other thing you watch with Ohio State football, even though Georgia and Georgia people have waited to play Ohio State for so many years, if you watch Ryan Day, you watch him really closely. And when things get tight, and I mean when things get that, you know, put up or shut up, winner go home type moments, he seems to abandon the run game and then basically dial up too much passing game. And that's a real issue when you have a lot of people in this program wondering if Day has too much going on in terms of being a CEO, a head coach, and a play caller. Man, Georgia fans have been in this situation before where the guy that they love, that they feel is the best coach on their staff, no longer is the guy to be calling plays because because that head coach role brings so much to bear. And you hear those type of grumblings where maybe he needs to have something taken off of his plate that's another thing to wonder about with the play calling recently for Ryan Day and Ohio State in very big ball games. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, so we'll obviously talk plenty more about that between now and Saturday. I do want to shift gears here, though, and do some recruiting stuff. You obviously had a big day yesterday. Before we hear more about that, let's talk about what we're doing here right now. We're on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily. And obviously, AAA, such a great resource for us. When we're traveling around here in the holiday season. I'm so thankful to have their legendary roadside assistance. If something goes wrong for me while I'm on the road, driving back home from Rome last night, I was thinking about that. Listen, if my car breaks down, I'm coming in the middle of nowhere. I might not know what to do. Maybe not know where I am, but our folks at AAA can obviously help us out with all of that. But they're also a great resource for your insurance needs there too, including your auto insurance there as well. Because uh, AAA's got a 93% satisfaction rate. That means that when they've been doing business as long as they've been doing it, and they're taking care of people to the tune of a 93% satisfaction rate, you know they're doing something right. And they can do something right for you there as well. So you can give them a call, 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075 to find a branch near you and find out the great things they can do for you from an auto insurance standpoint. All right, Jeff, so I want to ask you a moment uh, about the Janela Aguero thing in particular. You tweeted this yesterday. I thought that was interesting, so we'll talk about that. But before that, kind of remind folks where you were yesterday, what you were doing, and the various uh, UGA signees that you saw in action. So, so Brandon, I know you love this show. I love this show. You remember the Sopranos? When Tony came into Dr. Melfi's office and they're like, okay, we got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about right now. That's what I feel like after being at Under Armour All-American Media Day yesterday. I think we got to speak to almost uh, every Georgia uh, target or signee there, except for Tyler Williams and Gabe Harris. Gabe Harris actually got nicked up a little bit during bowl practices, and he's not going to be there this week, at least for practices. Maybe he makes it out for the game. Uh, but he is one of those uh, nine Georgia uh, signees that are, uh, that are in town in Orlando or that were scheduled to compete in a game that's not there. Brandon, let me just start with this. Deuce Robinson. It really sounds like he's going to come to Georgia. Wow. And I say this because, um, you know, to kind of give you guys an example of what's going on, You know, Deuce Robinson comes in. He had a late flight. Most thought that Deuce wasn't going to be able to make it. And let's face it, Brandon, Cromani McClain did not talk to anybody yesterday because he had a lot of juice, a lot of smoke, a lot of news around his name. He's a five-star, the number one cornerback in the country. Is it Colorado? Is it Miami? Is it Florida? He didn't take questions. Now, he posed for pictures, but he didn't take questions. Now, the other highly rated five-star in this game who's undecided, that's Deuce Robinson. And there was a, I guess, the only big horde of reporters around an interview yesterday. For That was Deuce Robinson. The old days in these media days, Brandon, when we had traditional signing days, um, you'd see everybody, and they still had yet to sign in February. So when the five-star came out and he wasn't signed yet, there were hordes. Now, there were probably ten media members around Deuce Robinson yesterday when most crowds were about two or three deep. You had a Texas reporter, you had an Alabama reporter, you had a USC reporter, and you had Georgia reporters. Kind of uh, interesting that those are his final four, right? Yeah. That's his final four. Um, so Deuce starts talking, and he says some really nice things about Texas, and he says some really nice things about Arch Manning, how they talk all the time, and there's a connection there. He says some really nice things about USC, how had the baseball opportunity there is really great with USC, that he knows more of the USC commits than any other school. 
then he talk, gets to talking about Georgia, Brandon. And the thing he's looking for, Brandon, this is kind of news. He wants to play both football and baseball professionally. Wow. Now think about that. Brian Jordan, Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson. I think that's the list, right? The list of folks that can do that. And and Deuce is six foot six, about two hundred and twenty pounds. Would be an outfielder in the major leagues if his dream reaches that point. But he starts talking about what he wants, and he wants development. He wants a team that wins. He wants a team that he just feels like he has those great relationships around him. And then where, where everybody really cares about the program and cares for one another. And then by and large, through about all the questions and answers, he goes to say that really loves the relationships at Georgia, really loves the development, really loves what Georgia's done with Brock Bowers, really loves the camaraderie and how it feels like Georgia cares about one another. And, hey, he's really acutely aware that Georgia wins. You ask Deuce Robinson about basically which relationships does he have at Georgia that maybe mirror like a Arch Manning relationship or his relationship with all the Southern Cal signees right now. He dials straight into Roderick Robinson. He says Roderick Robinson, also a West Coast guy, is his best relationship. They talk all the time. Of course, Todd Hartley is going to be persistent. And, you know, when that media scrums over, the press corps kind of gets together and you're like, is it just me or does it sound like he's really going to go to Georgia? That's what a lot of people nodded their heads with, Brandon. It was almost to the point where folks were wondering, who would be second right now? Huh. Is it SC or is it Texas? Certainly didn't sound like it was Alabama. Um, all I can say, he's going to take this thing out. He's going to take some more visits. He wants to visit SC again. He wants to visit perhaps uh, Texas again. He wants to see Georgia again. May sneak in a trip to Oregon as well. But um, he's going to be a traditional February 1 signing day, Brandon. And you, you just want to you just want to count Deuce Robinson this way, and I think I'm going to try and be as responsible as I can if I can say this. He's six six, Brandon. He's about two twenty. He has the ability to play both sports at a professional level, and he returns punts for his high school team. He was almost exclusively a wide receiver this year in high school out in Arizona. It really sounds like the dogs could not be better positioned to win the race for Deuce Robinson. And there still seems some more left to do, some more meat on the bone here. But, dog fans, I'm going to tell you, you guys would be ready to run through a banner right now if you heard a lot of the things that Deuce Robinson said about Georgia yesterday at the Under Armour Media Day in Orlando. Well, that's really interesting stuff, Jeff. Something else that I saw you had on Twitter is Janelle Aguero. It's fairly easy to assume who this might have been. He said he was offered $3 million by uh, another program's collective and yet came to Georgia anyway. Would you mind sharing a little bit more details about what that was about for Mr. Aguero? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that story will also be up on dognation.com today. What what you have here, Brandon, is, you know, you want to ask all those questions about, hey, how are the bowl practices? What are you looking forward to? What are, What's the coolest thing somebody said to you on the recruiting trail? You know, all those are little kind of layup three-foot putts, you know, the ones that you make all the time on the golf course, Brandon, with dead-eye accuracy. <laughs> but then, I, you know, it, you know, it kind of compelled me to believe where I was like, you know, let me ask a real question. And I asked Janelle, I said, hey, man, because I knew there was some intrigue around him. Number one is he was a silent commitment to Georgia for about two or three months prior to his public declaration in the summer. Uh, number three, if you asked him, Number two, if you asked him, hey, where were you at a year ago? Where would you have chosen a year ago? And he's like, yeah, probably Georgia. He said he was one of those recruits. He self-diagnosed himself, Brandon. He's like, hey, I'm one of those kids that I go somewhere and I want to commit there. I love it. Right after a visit, I feel great. I'm like, mom and dad, let's go there. And the one school he was consistently in love with, visit high, kept feeling the strongest and the most emotional attachments to Georgia over the course of two or three years, was Georgia. You know, big shout-out there to Will Muschamp for how well he recruited Janelle Aguero, a guy that I think might be getting major minutes for Georgia maybe midway through his freshman year, um, at least in certain packages and certainly at least in a minimum of special teams right out the gate at Georgia. He's very fast. He's very physical. But I said, Janelle, man, i got to ask this question. It's a new question. Uh, and we're in the NIL era. I said, what sort of schools – 
what sort of what sort of I guess offers came your way from collectives in order to try and break that attachment to Georgia? And I said, you know, maybe you don't have to name a school, but what was the type of offers a typical high ranked five star level safety like you was getting on the market? He said, I got about three. And I was like, wow. You know, first of all, Brandon, it wasn't $300. And I kind of thought, you know, the numbers that you hear on the trail, that I thought he was meaning 300000 which would kind of fit a lot of collectives or whatever. And I went back to him a little bit later, and I'm like, so you said 300000 right? And he goes, no, man, $3 million. Wow. And I was like, he looked at me like, you like, huh? I looked at, can you tell, I, I looked like, like a roadrunner Wiley Coyote cartoon, my expression had to look like that. And he goes, like, now it wasn't for one year. It was for as long as I was at the school or as long as I was representing the collective. Let me make sure I say that correctly. Not representing the school, but representing a collective, you know, because wink, wink, that's the way these things are supposed to be. But for me, and let's face it, man, he said it over and over to a lot of reporters. Why he chose Georgia was development. He wanted NFL money the type that Lewis Seen got, his great friend. They grew up maybe 20 minutes from one another, their hometowns in Massachusetts. Um, and he said basically that he saw the track record at Georgia. He saw the development at Georgia, which is pretty a pretty wizened, mature outlook for a 17-, 18-, 19-year-old kid here to go, I'm going to turn down fast money like Steve Harvey family feud fast money to get real money, generational money, NFL first-round draft pick money in three years. He told me, he's like, you know, I just didn't want to sit around and be the guy that had that NIL money worrying I'm not getting developed, I'm not getting played, I'm not getting played enough, I'm not getting tested and battle-tested against great receivers in practice enough. I mean, it was a very, very, very mature way to look at it. Let's face it, Brandon, you ask a lot of families, you ask a lot of families anywhere, regardless of their economic status, and if their high school graduate can get $3 million coming out of high school for a future occupation or for what they want to do, I would say a lot of our world would take that. Most people would take that. But Janelle Aguero, when you watch him shine at Georgia, I want folks to think about that. But he chose the Red G. He chose Georgia. He chose development over some easy, fast money. Uh, perhaps the only, you know, kind of not-so-great news about Janelle Aguero is he goes, he goes to a private school in Massachusetts and he can't get released until January the 21st, he told us. January 21st-ish. So he's going to be late January by the time he gets to Georgia. And when he, get, he gets to Georgia, he told me this one thing that stood out. I was like, what's the first thing you're going to do? And I expected, you know, because, man, they got so many toys in that new facility. I was like, the Lamborghini locker room, the bod pod, the sleep pod. You know, I wanted to know what he was going to do first. He's like, man, train, work, get better every day. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I can't wait to do when I get to Georgia. Fascinating stuff, Jeff. I appreciate you sharing it with us on the road assisted by AAA. Glad to have you back in town. We'll see you at Mercedes-Benz Stadium tomorrow. And as you said, reading about a lot of these very interesting recruiting stories from the uh, trip to Orlando at dognation.com. We appreciate your time on that. We'll look forward to talking to you then. Take it easy, buddy. Everybody have a happy new year. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I think for most of us, Jeff says Happy New Year there at the end. I think for most of us, our ability to have a Happy New Year will be determined by the events that transpire between, like, say, 8 p.m. and midnight. Uh, they are in Atlanta. I will either have the happiest of Happy New Years or something quite decidedly different. And we said this off the top of the show. is like the stakes cannot be higher. It's like you do not want to have Ohio State have bragging rights over you. You just don't want it. You just don't want it. You want to avoid that at all costs. And listen, Georgia's had a great season. Georgia's the national champions. There's been so much fun. Uh, but to think that you might give those folks up in Columbus a chance to have some sort of bragging rights over you, you don't want that. You don't want that. Instead, what you want, and this is what makes the new year so much fun, instead what you want is the idea of reminding Ohio State they don't belong in the same field with the SEC. Secretly, deep down, they may think that, and a way of, of demonstrating that on that field on Saturday night, boy, that'd be great. That'd be great. And by the way, also keeping the mission alive to go for two in 22. Man, that would be awesome. So, yeah, will we have a happy new year? I'll tell you, 
right about the time the uh, the ball's dropping, or I guess in our states, the peach dropping, right around the time the peach is dropping, I'll tell you if we plan on having a happy new year or not. And what these dogs do inside MBS against Ohio State will probably be the determining factor there on all of that. All right, we're going to do some stuff on the other playoff game coming up here in a moment. But before that, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Man, we're so excited about speaking of fun stuff in the new year. Obviously, hoping to celebrate winning against Ohio State, go for 2-22, and another national championship, hopefully uh, all squared away on all of that. And then we can enjoy the celebration on board, Independence of the Seas, much like we did a year ago with the second-ever cruise with Dog Nation, which kind of became a de facto celebration of that championship last year. We'll hope to do that again. The final night of the cruise is actually... NFL draft night that was true last year and we had the great draft party and we were up on the top deck of Independence of the Seas and every time one of those Georgia names was announced we're cheering and celebrating it was so much fun and so this year we get a chance to do that all over again I'm excited about doing that with all of you who are going to be there I want to tell you that it's kind of crunch time as far as getting in there and being a part of this with us so go to royaldogs.com that's royaldogs.com and it's a great website put together by a terrific travel agent named Jessica Slater Jessica was specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean so she's going to uh, help you get squared away, get booked up, and be a part of this cruise vacation with us. You can also call her directly, by the way, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. So we're leaving out of Port Canaveral, April 24th, going to Nassau, going to Perfect Day, Coco K. It's a four-night cruise. We can't wait to have you on board. Independence of the Seas with us. Here with our friends at Royal Caribbean for the second-ever cruise with Dog Nation. Coming up April 24th through the 28th. All right. So, obviously, our attention's kind of on the Georgia-Ohio State thing here for a moment. You've kind of heard me say it the entirety of the week. I, I believe Georgia wins this game. I don't know that I quite think it's going to be quite as much of a comfortable, easy win as some Georgia fans think it's going to be. I think that Georgia's going to be in a hard-fought game. I think they're going to win it. But I think, they're, I think they're going to have to be at their best to do so. And that's just been kind of my vibe on this the entire time. You know, could it slip away from Ohio State? Could it turn into a more comfortable uh, win for Georgia? Obviously, that possibility exists. But ultimately, I believe this is likely to be one of those games, one of the rare games, by the way, in playoff history, where you probably have a pretty competitive game in the fourth quarter, if I had to guess. And I believe it's one of those things where Georgia on both sides of the ball is going to have to make some plays to win it. How about the other side, though, the Fiesta Bowl between Michigan and TCU? I have been hesitating to make my pick on this uh, just from the standpoint that I've really kind of gotten it wrong with TCU a lot. But as we get closer to the game, I do start to get a little bit of a clearer picture of what to expect between uh, Michigan and TCU in this other side here. First of all, the positives for TCU. I think one of the things that's been true of their league, the Big 12, is while there's not really a spectacular team in this league, maybe beyond, you know, obviously TCU that makes the playoff, the overall depth of the uh, of the Big 12 this year was probably pretty good. You know, you don't have a, a ton of terrible teams. You know, Iowa State, I guess West Virginia, the best examples of that. But for the most part, the overall balance of the league was really not too bad. And, you know, obviously if TCU is handling that schedule during the regular season, they've certainly done something to be able to do that. And, and part of the way in which TCU did handle that schedule is, is they've had to found a way they had to find a way to win late quite a bit. They're five and one this year in games started, I should say, decided by one score or less. What's interesting about that is, is that the other three playoff teams, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, have only played in three one-score games combined. Michigan was in two. Uh, Georgia was in one. I don't believe Ohio State's played a one-score game at all this year. So, obviously, TCU's got a little bit of experience with winning these closer games in a way that Michigan, Ohio State, and uh, Georgia simply have not been able to do or not had to do. And, and yet, ultimately, that's what I kind of keep coming back to here, which is, Okay, when TCU has had to pull out wins, it's been able to do that. But Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, they really haven't had to pull out many wins. You would say, well, Georgia did against Missouri. Okay, that's fine. That's fair. You know, Ohio State didn't play great against Northwestern. Okay, that's fine. That's fair. You know, Michigan had its moments maybe at times too. But the greatness in college football, I believe, is demonstrated by margin, margin of victory. You know, you know how easy do you make it look? on a Saturday-in, Saturday-out basis. And ultimately this year, while TCU's been winning games, it has not been winning them very easily. And when you're pulling out that many close, sort of you know, down-to-the-wire, nail-biting type games, I think one is left to conclude, I'm not really quite so sure how sustainable all of this is. And so on Saturday, I do expect TCU to lose, uh, just on the basis of the fact that they have been kind of, 
skating by this year in a way that I just didn't imagine would be able to be continued. And ultimately, they kind of ran out of a little bit of magic in the Big 12 title game anyway, and I believe they're going to run out of whatever remaining magic they have in this game against Michigan. And in a game like this, and I don't think there's any doubt that TC was easily the worst of the four playoff teams. I don't think there's any, any, any question about that in my mind. And I think where you kind of see the biggest disadvantage here is, for all you want to say about Michigan and its physicality and kind of the sort of old-school approach that sometimes Jim Harbaugh's thought to take, the truth is this is a team that's averaging 40 point once, uh, points per game here this year. And this is a TCU defense that's only 56 best in the country this year in terms of points allowed. Ultimately, I think the reason why Michigan is likely to win this game, and I believe fairly convincingly, is simply because I don't believe the TCU defensively can stop what Michigan does. You know, when McCarthy throws it, certainly with the ground game, I don't believe TCU is going to be able to line up and stop Michigan. I believe that Michigan's going to score with ease. I think you're going to score with regularity. And I think ultimately they're probably coasting to somewhat of an easy victory. Keep in mind here, about half the national semifinal games we've seen have been decided by 20 points. I mean, we have very few examples of what Georgia-Oklahoma was in 2017. A very close, hard-fought overtime game in the Rose Bowl. That's the outlier in the college football playoff. For the most time, for the most part, the playoffs have kind of dealt us one blowout after another. It remains to be seen how close Georgia Ohio State ultimately becomes. But in the case of Michigan TCU, this sort of feels like the classic national semifinal game to me, where one team is clearly better than the other. I think in this case, Michigan is way better than TCU. And as we kind of settle into uh, you know, this situation for Saturday. I do like Michigan quite a bit here in this uh, spot. I, I I do. So count me on the side of Michigan here. And so if Georgia can get past Ohio State and Atlanta, my pick is it'll be awaiting Michigan in Los Angeles, the national championship rematch from last year's uh, college football playoff. Don't you know, dog fans would love to have this one in L.A. turn out just like last year's Orange Bowl turned out there as well. But for now, we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And, of course, here on Fridays on our show, one of the things we love to do is our big finish presented by the Finnish Long Drink. And obviously for a lot of you getting ready to do some tailgate parties and some things like that, uh, you know the Finnish Long Drink is going to be a big part of your activities there because it's been a big part all season long. And so when you guys enjoy the Finnish Long Drink, you're going to have to share some photos with me on that. We share those here on the show there as well. I want to show you a great picture here uh, on, on, on Twitter. So Morgan Baird shares this. It's the uh, Long Drink kind of <laughs> – Almost like the gifts under the Christmas tree here. Uh, pretty good stuff there. Uh, our folks at the Laundry can share this on Twitter, too. So I saw that there and put it, uh, put it up here for this today. The big finish presented, uh, presented by the Finnish Long Drink. Good to see that Finnish Long Drink uh, tucked under the Christmas tree. Uh, certainly a lot of people loved to have gotten that as a holiday gift this time of year. So uh, uh, Morgan, who shared it, the, uh, the Finnish Long Drink, who also kind of blasted that out. That is all really fun to see. And by the way, if you have not tried the Finnish Long Drink as of yet, you can do so. Go to thelongdrink.com. And you can put in your zip code. You can find out close to you where you can pick some up today. And then you can try all the various varieties. The Cranberry, the Long Drink Strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. Long Drink Zero, no carbs, no sugar. Long Drink Traditional, that's in the blue can. I like it. It's the uh, it's the, the the grapefruit flavor. You get the gin kick to go along with that. It's really, it's like the original, the traditional version of the finished Long Drink. Really, really fun, delicious stuff. So please find it online, thelongdrink.com for a lot more of that. Thelongdrink.com. Also, I uh, gave you some thoughts earlier about uh, the other playoff game between TCU and Michigan, maybe you think the same way I do. Maybe your pick's a little bit different than mine. Either way, you can make some money on your uh, football knowledge here with our friends at MyBookie. When you open up a deposit, or I should say an account right now, you're in a big deposit bonus when you first sign up. What that means is if you'll use the Internet to kind of help you here, just type in MyBookie. They'll help you get to the website. When you get there, use the promo code DOGNATION. And then when you make that initial deposit, our friends at MyBookie are going to double that deposit for you up to 1000 bucks. What this means is if you put in $600, they're going to put in $600 for you. You put in $300, they're going to put in $300 for you. So let's say you put in $400, they put in $400 for you. You have $800 in your account before you even win uh, your first bet. So that's why they call it winning season here at MyBookie because you're literally a winner before you even get started. So go to my bookie, find them online, use the promo code Dog Nation, get the big deposit match up to $1,000. Then after that, you play, you win, you get paid, courtesy of our friends at my bookie. Make sure you check them out today. All right, hold off on the song here for a moment because we have uh, a lot of golden shoes I want to give out today. So here's what we've been kind of doing all season long. 
And we haven't really been doing traditional golden shoes as much this week because we've been kind of showing you some of the stuff from um, like the Peach Bowl and kind of showing Georgia kind of having some fun. We've had a, a chance to kind of showcase some of that for you. But on Fridays, as we close at the show, we like to kind of give good vibes here with Georgia fans feeling happy about the week and kind of just really kind of creating that right atmosphere, that right environment mentally, spiritually, if you will, to go on and get the big win. And every time thus far this year we've tried this, it has worked really well. So here to close up the show on Friday, we're going to give you about a half dozen golden shoes here. If you're watching a video, you can see these. If you're listening to radio podcasts, I'll do my bo- the best to try to describe these to you. But hopefully all of the good vibes created by Georgia fans here, hopefully it creates the right mindset to be ready for wherever you're going to be tomorrow for this game. In Atlanta, if, if so, I hope to see you there. Or if you got a watch party going on, Everybody getting game faces on. Everybody getting ready to go for Georgia and Ohio State. So with that in mind, our first golden shoe, let's go ahead and throw it up here. And obviously Mad Dog's so good at this, saying, when you're getting ready to crack some Buckeye nuts, hashtag go for two in 22. You get the uh, little handheld nutcracker there, the Ohio State, uh, uh, which the, the Buckeye, which actually is a nut, getting cracked right there as part of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Mike, that's great stuff. Golden shoe going your way, obviously well-deserved for you there once again. And by the way, keeping the idea of the nutcracker theme going, and knowing we're a couple of days after Christmas here there as well, uh, Bulldog1982 sent this to me. By the way, he's got hashtag go for two and 22 right there in his username. He says, hashtag go for two and 22, also go dogs. And he shows you the Georgia-themed nutcracker. And the uh, nutcracker here is saying, a Buckeye is a nut, you say? You better believe it is. You better believe Georgia's looking to crack them coming up on Saturday. Uh, good stuff there from Bulldog1982. Payne Dog writes in to say, priming up for Saturday by cheering on the hoop dogs. So Payne and his family were there for the uh, – the Georgia game uh, a little earlier, so I uh, had some fun with that. It says rock the stag, and he's happy about the Mike White era thus far at UGA, and also gives you the go for two and 22. So, uh, Paint Dog, a great looking family. Glad to see you having a good time there. Our good friend Miriam Corbin sends this to us to say, I had quite a few uh, new items added for the Christmas to the Corbin Dog Cave. Now, whatever am I going to do when uh, we not only go for two and 22, but also win it in 22 there as well? So, Miriam's got a great collection of Georgia stuff there going on. She's having a great time. We appreciate her shouting out go for two and 22. Brian Whitehead sends this to me there as well. He says, this is what keeps me up at night. Hashtag go dogs. And it's the picture of CJ Stroud holding up this thing that he held up at media days. This is one of those memes everybody does. And the uh, photo that he's holding up is Jalen uh, Carter holding up Jaden Daniels. Uh, really funny stuff. Uh, Brian Whitehead, we appreciate you sharing that. We have one more to give you there as well. Should have six. Apparently we don't. Uh, all right, so this was a good one. It was uh, Stetson Bennett with the Go for Two and Twenty Two T-shirt on, but uh, we will uh, do that for you again next time. Instead, let's go ahead and ready to fire up the fight song, and we'll get ready to wrap up today's show. All right, so uh, good stuff to everybody. Appreciate you being here, and obviously getting ready for a big day tomorrow on Saturday. So listen, we got lots of video coverage. We'll be giving you the uh, dog walk. We'll be giving you some of the sights and sounds. There was one final press conference today for both these coaches, Kirby Smart and uh, Ryan Day. We may share some of that with you on Saturday there as well. But one way or another, get settled in for a big day. These are the kinds of moments we live for. That chance to see Georgia on the biggest possible stage against the kind of opponent that it's very easy to conjure up all the proper emotions for. Uh, this is Georgia Ohio State. We said when the announcement was first made, this was the game that was going to take place. This is as big as it gets. And the closer and closer you get to game time, uh, as big as it feels, you better believe it feels exactly the way that it's supposed to. So enjoy the game. Thanks for letting us be a part of your experience as you get ready for it. We'll see you on game day tomorrow. And by the way, lousy stinking Gators, Gatorator countdown on the way out the door here, 302 days from right now. We appreciate you. Uh, obviously looking forward to all of that. And we will see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cooldown. We'll take your comments here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. We're at the comments section of dognation.com. So as I was doing the show today, the final media availability prior to the game taking place with Ryan Day and Kirby Smart a moment ago, when Kirby Smart once again asked about Ladd McConkey and Warren McClendon, and he said the same thing he's basically been saying, which is we're hopeful to get those guys back. We had... I had a chance to talk to Warren McClendon yesterday. I didn't get a chance to talk to Eli McConkey. And uh, McClendon basically said, as if you saw the video or you know heard it yesterday as part of our podcast we put out, that he wasn't supposed to say anything. That any kind of question about his status should be uh, should be turned over to Kirby Smart. So uh, obviously the players themselves have been somewhat coy about all of this, and Kirby Smart there too. 
So a lot of folks kind of reacted to that at DogNation.com. I'll read you a couple of these comments. Uh, Georgia uh, Jeep says the only uh, real George injury report is who trots out there when the game starts. With that in mind, I guess what my concern is, this is more probably true for McClendon than anything else. My read on the situation, and gosh knows I'm not a medical expert, my read on the situation is that it seems like McConkie may be a little healthier than McClendon is, maybe. Uh, Maybe that's the case. Maybe they're both healthy. I don't know. I have a little bit of a rule that I typically go by, which is, you think a player's hurt, he probably is. If you think a player's healthy, he may actually still be hurt. That, in other words, by the time you have any kind of rumor or any kind of insinuation that a player's hurt, that's probably at least somewhat true. And so my biggest fear as a Georgia fan here is, is not about the, will, will McClendon and McConkie play or not. It's, will they be out there but not quite as effective? That's one of the things I'd watch for is, is if they're on the field, in some form or fashion, I expect them to be on the field, but how effective are they while they're out there? Smarts the man says, I hope McConkie go and is healthy uh, as he was in the SEC championship game. Having AD back is huge, but it's going to take a few uh, reps to settle in. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the best version of Land McConkie certainly playing in Atlanta thus far this season. A good time dog also checking in to say, can't wait to see AD back in action, meaning if if McConkie's not able to go, leaning more on Mitchell. He says he may be rusty during the semifinal, but that means he'll explode during the national championship. I like that positive uh, thinking there, too. Either way, looking forward to a great game in Atlanta tomorrow and great to be able to uh, break it all down with you here today. So the bottom line is Kirby has said the same thing basically all week long on McConkie and McClendon. He hopes to get him back. Uh, he's certainly done his part to kind of keep all of this under wraps. And as one of our commenters mentioned, coming up tomorrow night, we'll kind of find out what all of this means. Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast. Cool down. Y'all turn to R.S. Andrews at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. It means after the cold weather we've had, it's a reminder that we have a very long winter still ahead of us. And if you want to get your heating system tuned up, uh, back up to factory fresh specs, ready to go for the winter that's still on its way, this is a good time to do that. So more information can be found on that at rsandrews.com. Have a great day. I will see you for game day tomorrow. We'll be back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then.